This series called The Table, this is about the third message I believe that we're in. And uh, the purpose of the table, does anybody remember? Yes, but the basic purpose of the table is to eat, it's to keep you alive. Feed you and keep you alive. That's at the very base. Then you start getting all of those others like community and other things that happen. So last week we talked about uh, culture of invitation. And that book that you just saw on the screen a few minutes ago, just a very simple way that I'm telling you, it will change your paradigm on evangelism. It'll take it from an old, crusty, out-of-date, that-does-not-work version. It didn't work really then very well, and it doesn't work today. This is a very relational, it'll change your world when it comes to evangelism. And so it helps you to begin to create a, a culture of invitation. And last week I talked to you about how a culture of invitation uh, is absolutely possible. Uh, uh, you have to have it if you're going to fulfill the mandate that we have on the church. If we don't go and invite people into life, in, into, and I'm talking about capital L, like your life, but like life. The scripture tells us, our key scripture there is out of Romans, and it says, how are, how are they going to know? How are they going to know if they never hear it? And how are they going to hear it unless somebody goes? And how are they going to go unless somebody sends somebody like Alan? to go because I'm not going there, you're not going there, but somebody needs to go. And so the scripture says, how will they know if they never hear? How will they hear if somebody uh, never, never comes to tell them? And how will, how will somebody go to tell them unless somebody sends them? So like, man, a culture of invitation is vital for us to share the gospel in our life. And then today, as I talk to you, I'm going to talk to you about what happens uh, in preparation for the table. Now, I, I come from a big family, so there were uh, eight of us kids, and at one time there were there were eight of us in, uh, or sorry, 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 seven of us, uh, of us kids. I'm thinking eight is enough. That old uh, show. Um, I, we were right between the Brady Bunch and Eight is Enough. And so we had seven of us. And so at one point, there were nine of us living in our house with my mom and dad included. So we had this really long table because we all got together at the table. That only lasted, you know, for a few years uh, because my older brothers, we're, we're like, some of us are like, you know, 15 plus years older than each other. And so they, they had started moving out of the house uh, as, as I got on up in age. But when we started dinner, everybody had a job. Like everybody had a job. Like not one person did not have a job. And so um, I remember when I got elevated to the place where I got a job. And my job, my first job in setting the table was folding napkins. And so I would be the napkin folderer. And I would fold, you know, I'm, I'm just a little guy. And I would fold the napkins. And I remember going around that big old table. Our kitchen was small and we had this mammoth table in there. So we had to push it up against one wall because our kitchen wasn't big enough because the table was so big. And I remember uh, one of my brothers or sisters would pull the table out from the wall into the middle of the kitchen so that we could all get around it. And I remember as a little kid, you know, tables this, this level at, at that time. And I remember going around and I 
remember putting the, the, the napkins on every place. And then my sister would come behind me and she would put the forks and the knives uh, at every place. And then, you know, somebody who was a little more, uh, you know, ambidextrous than I was, a little, little calmer than I was, would put the plates because we didn't have paper plates back then. You know, we, we had those heavy-duty, thick, breakable plates. And sh- uh, somebody would come and put the plates on. Somebody's preparing the meal. That's usually my mom. Um, somebody is also, I remember when I graduated up, man, I'm the ice guy. I get to fill the cups with ice. And that was fun. Especially when we got high class and got an ice maker in our refrigerator. Anybody remember, like, the, when we had to crack open uh, the ice? Man, I loved doing that. But then we graduated to the ice maker. Everybody in the family had a job. That is what it's like at the table of God. Everybody has a place at the table. Like, there's really at the table, there's nobody that's more important than, than the other. The only person that is more important, I guess, is the guy who's sitting at the head of the table. In, in our system, our tradition, you might call it matri- uh, patriarchal. Uh, you, you might, uh, some, some people might even call it misogynistic in our culture that's so woke today. But my daddy, he sat at the head of the table. Never changed. We, we didn't really change around in our house. Like at our house now, Shay, we just sit wherever we want to. But not in my day. My dad always sat at the head of the table. And that, that position garnered this place of authority and respect. And whenever my dad would be away, because he was a fireman, he worked 24 hours on, and then he was off for 48 hours. So he was gone a night and then at home two nights. And that happened my entire life until he retired. Um, and on the night that he was away, Oh, the vying for position. You know, you, you had the, uh, you know, the two brothers that vied for position at the table. Uh, you know, the mother came and she's like, let my sons have the best seats right beside Jesus. Well, 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 that was my brothers. They wanted the best seat. And so they would go to vie for that position to get in that. Uh, and, and my mom always worked that out somehow, usually with a black belt uh, about that thick. <laughs> Um, but everybody had a place at the table. In the body of Christ, when Jesus is trying to explain to us uh, our relationship with one another, he, he uses the human body as that analogy. He's like, well, like our bodies are made up of many parts and each one has a specific part. You, you are like that as the body. I'm like that as the body of Christ. And we all need each other. Like there are some parts that uh, have greater honor than others. Like I can live without my ear, but I don't want to. I, I sort of like these things. You know, I, I can live without certain parts of my body, but I'd, I'd like to keep them all if that's possible. And You know, there are some, though, that you can't do without. You can't do without a brain. You can't do without a heart. You can't do without, you know, different uh, internal organs. In the body of Christ, we all are like that. Like, there are some 
things that we can do without. Like, so today, uh, we don't have Melissa, who was on our keyboard uh, scheduled today. Uh, I want you to pray for her. Melissa, I don't know if you're watching today or sleeping. I know she was at the ER last night. She cut her hand really severely. And so we want to pray for Melissa. We've been praying for her uh, pretty much uh, several times today. But here, when she's not here, we miss that. We miss that. And so... um, but, but today, we were able to do without that position. Why? Because we had other parts of the body that were able to take up the, 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 the uh, vacancy there. In the body of Christ, we depend on one another. And we need to understand, man, that we have a vital role. You have a vital role. Say it with me. I have a vital role. I have a vital role. Like you have a vital role. That if you aren't operating in that role, like you're missed. There's a part of the body that's missing. Can we go on? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, God is no respecter of persons and we shouldn't be either. Like you, if, if something happened to me today that I was no longer the pastor of Destiny Church, Destiny Church should not ce- cease to exist because Destiny is the body of Christ. So if I can't lead, somebody else step up and take that role. You know what I'm saying? Like nobody in the body is irreplaceable. Like every person, God will raise up someone else to do what he wants us to do. But he will use us if, if we will allow him to use us. But we're not his only option. Here's the thing that I, I like to say a lot of times. God doesn't need you, but he wants you. God doesn't need you, but he desires you. He has a plan for our life. He wants to partner with you. He wants to see your gifts bring glory to the kingdom. And so as we talk about this today at the table, here's uh, we're going to go to Luke chapter 10. We're going to really be in John chapter 12 uh, as well. And the reason we're going to go to these two different uh, chapters is because they're talking about not necessarily the same event, but at the same location. So they're, they're uh, at, with the same people in the story. They're two different events, but same story that we're talking about. So Luke chapter 10, and then John chapter 12, as we get there in just a few minutes. And I just want to share with you, in this series, here is the thing that I want us to drive home today. So when you walk out of the building today and they go like, hey, what preacher preach on today? You should be able to tell them this, that we serve Christ with our hands and our heart. You need both. Like, and, and as I say those, I'm using them in uh, like a symbolic way. Um, we serve Christ with our hands. That's our abilities, our talents. Uh, that's... Uh, gifts that you have, we serve him with those. That's our hands. Sometimes it's our physical hands. And then we serve him with our heart as well. And we don't serve him with one or the other. We serve him with both. That's like we worship him in spirit and truth. It's not one or the other, it's both. Uh, last week I talked to you about the, a culture of invitation and a culture of hospitality. 
you, you, you need both of those. You don't just need to invite people and then they're, you know, into your world and you don't make them feel welcome or you, you know, you don't love them well or you don't, you know, take care of their need. Like when I have the AC people come to my house or the plumber come to my house, like I always, hey, can I get you guys a soda? Would you guys like a drink? I mean, I, I, I could have this attitude of, you know, look, do your job, just do your job, get my stuff fixed, and I'm paying you for it. I don't need to sit here and talk to you. I don't have to be, you know, chitty chatty. You know, of course, anybody who knows me knows that I have to be chitty chatty. <laughs> it's one of my gifts, you know, or so, I think. Uh, but I'm going to be hospitable to those folks, man. I'm like, what can I help you with? How's your kids doing? Like, if they tell me any story about them, I'm asking about Aunt Mabel the next time they come because I want to build a relationship with them because, again, they're a contact that may not just be there for my uh, refrigerator or whatever system that they're fixing. They actually might be there because that's my day to prophesy over them or my day to lay hands on them and watch them be healed. You know what I'm saying? Or, or my day to encourage them in the Lord. Or maybe introduce them to the Lord. So when we serve Christ, we serve him with our hands and we serve him with our hearts. Our heart is that, that passion. That our heart is authenticity. That heart is laying down my agenda to pick up his agenda. And so as we look at this today, I want to go to um, Luke chapter 10 and let's start there. Okay, Luke chapter 10. And Jesus, he's going to the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And in verse 38 of chapter 10, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. I'm telling you, your home is a tool for the kingdom. Well, Pastor Rife, we got our bathroom tore up. We can't invite anybody. Well, guess what? People still need loving and people still need community and people are still going to heaven and hell every day that your bathroom's not finished. Who gives a royal rip about your bathroom? Like, it's not about what your house looks like, even though I do believe we should... Because one of our core values at Destiny, and I believe that ought to be one of your core values at home, we give God our best. Every house that I've ever lived in, the ones that I've rented, I left it better. I planted landscape that I knew I wasn't even going to take with me. Why? Because I like landscape around my house. And if I got to live in this house six months while my other house is getting built, I'm going to put some bushes or some flowers or something here. Because I, I give God my best in everything. And so, you know, here we are. She's at her home. She invites Jesus in in verse 39. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. All right. She came to Jesus and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem fair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said to her, Dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. 
And there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken away from her. Like, I just want to, I know you've probably heard this preached a hundred different ways and a hundred different times. But come on, let's just dive into it one more time with me. Because we serve Christ with our hands and our heart. Right here you see Martha, she's serving the Lord well with her hands. Even her heart to a degree. Because she even welcomed him, so that takes a little bit of heart. She welcomes him in, into her home. But as she welcomes her, it, it, him into her home, she's distracted. And I can only imagine what she's distracted about. The, maybe the giggly tone of, Mar, uh, of Mary laughing at one of Jesus' jokes. And it's just getting under her apron, just getting under her skin, that where she's just like, I'm in here doing all the work, and, 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 and Mary is out there, oh, Jesus, tell it again, how you walked on the water. You know, and man, she's just getting irritated and distracted. She ain't worried about no miracle of walking on the water. <laughs> Tell us about how you multiplied those loaves. Not once, but twice. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, she don't care about any manifestation of miracle. She's irritated. Mary done got on her last narrative. She's upset. And so she's distracted. You ever been upset? Your nerves have just got the best of you, and, you're, and it will cause you to lose focus in a New York second. And all of a sudden, what, my God, what you were called to do. Come on, man. Come on. You upset because somebody else is doing what they was called to do. Jesus, I got chill bumps just saying that. Like, you're upset over what somebody else was called to do. Because you stressed out because you distracted in what you are trying to do. I ain't got enough people on my team. Well, join the club. Join the I ain't got enough people on my team club. Because like, hello, Jesus, he had that club too. You know what I'm saying? He, he even said when they came to him, Jesus, we ain't got enough. He's like, pray, pray to the Lord of the harvest. Join the club. Everybody's got that problem. It's going to happen to the day you see Jesus face to face up in heaven one day. Like, there ain't ever going to be enough of them. So do the best you can do. Like, and so she's irritated, she's perturbed in her calling. And so look at what she does. She goes out and she, sit, uh, she, goes out and she addresses Jesus and she says, uh, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Well, isn't that presumptuous of her to think she knows what Jesus thinks? Like, I'm irritated because I'm doing everything. Jesus, isn't that right? Isn't that right? You, you ever presumed somebody agreed with you and they didn't and then put you in your place hopefully it was nicely but they're they're like well as a matter of fact no and so you know she goes and she presumes that Jesus is going to agree with her she's like does it doesn't it seem unfair 
that I'm in here doing all of this and, and she's out here doing this? Like she's out here just sitting here? So what she's doing is she's taking the calling of another person. Come on, somebody needs to hear me. She's taking the calling of another person and determining the importance upon that. Mm. Man, you're just sitting there. Drew, you don't do anything. I mean, seriously, do we even need you there? We need you doing something else because all you do is boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. You know, like, it's three chords. Multiply that times four songs, that's 12 chords. You know what I'm saying? Now, obviously, I'm really oversimplifying that. But here's the deal. Like, man, I don't get to, uh, I don't get to determine the value of somebody else's ministry before the Lord. And she walks in and she's like, what I'm doing is more important than what she's doing. And I'm really irritated with this situation, Lord. And if I hear her laugh one more time at one of your stories, I believe I'm going to come unglued. And then the Lord tells her, Lord, the Lord said to her, Mary or Martha, you're worried and upset over all these details. Like, here's the beautiful thing that, about Jesus. Jesus didn't deny that there were details. I know there's potatoes that's got to get cut up. I know carrots have got to be washed off. I know there's fish that has to be scaled and filleted. I know that there's all this stuff. Jesus did not deny that there was a lot of stuff going on. And he didn't deny that there's a lot of stuff happening there. As a matter of fact, you know, if we would just pause sometimes that we go, God, okay, what, what are you doing here? What's the most important thing? What, what are you doing in this moment that, like, I believe people will chip in and help. I just believe people will chip in and help. When, when it's like, uh, you know, hey, God is doing this. So let's focus on this right now. And, yes, we still have X, Y, and Z to be done. But, like, do we really need it? Is it something we could just let go today, you know? Or could we say, let's focus on this and we'll get some help to do that? I mean, I really am like, like we just need to focus on what's the most important thing. And Jesus, his response to her was, you're upset and worried over all these things, but there's one thing, one thing. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it. Wow. She discovered what it was. How did she discover it? Who told her that secret? Like, you know, who told her that secret? Why hasn't Mary found, or Martha found it yet? But she discovered it. And Jesus said, listen, I'm just telling you, I'm not taking that away from her. I'm not taking that away from her, okay? So there's the crux of what I wanted to share with you. And I just want to go into this. There's, there's three lessons, I believe, that we can learn out of this. Number one, that there's duty before desire. 
duty. Uh, sorry, 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 sorry. That's up there wrong. It's desire before duty. All right? So that's wrong on the screen. That's my fault. It's, it's desire before duty. Even Jesus said, if any man desires to follow me, he must first take up his cross. That's duty. Well, Pastor Rife, he just said it's first. Yes, but you have to have desire before the first thing. So if any man desires to come after me, there's got to the, be this desire that's there first. Man, that really bothers me that I messed that point up on the screen. Like, Jesus, help me, Holy Ghost, to get back in my peace of mind. You know, but it's desire before duty, all right? And here's the thing about that. Many times we desire position before presence in the body of Christ at the table. I can't tell you how many people that I've come in contact with that they have a desire for a position at the table. And I'm like, what I want to know is, have you been in his presence? Because I don't care if you're the best guitarist. I don't care if you are the best children's church uh, teacher. I don't care if you're the best X, Y, or Z in your area of expertise. Have you been with Jesus? As a matter of fact, when people saw the disciples out in public, they said, we, we know you are his disciples. We perceive that you have been with him. Like, you've been with him, haven't you? Yes, you have, because you're talking like he, he talks. And I've seen, him do, I've seen him lay hands on people just like y'all laid hands on people. You can't tell me you have not been with him. Like, I've seen him speak to things, and it actually happened. And I've been over in the corner watching you, and you spoke to some stuff, and it actually came to pass. You prophesied over it, and it actually happened. I know you've been in his presence. So there's always presence before position. There's always a desire before duty. Like, what is our desire? That's like, man, I get it. I get it. We, we, we got a message to get to. I get it that we have other things to do. I get it that the good stuff, well, we can't even say buffet now because they don't have those anymore. But it used to be, I get it that the good food is going to already be scraped up off the buffet before you get out to the restaurant. But what is more important, uh, important, the peach cobbler or his presence? Like, what is more important? And it's like, dude, it's like, you know, we, we come together as a church body one or maybe two times a week in our culture. And like, dude, when we come here, this should be our focus. This should be our focus. Everything else is secondary. Everything else. Your family is secondary. You, you got relatives come. I'm fixing to step on somebody's toes because I know there are people that you are not willing to go here with me. Like, if your family comes to town and they've been here multiple days and they are not church-going people and, you know, they don't want to come. You've invited them and they don't want to come. They've been here for four days. They're leaving on Tuesday. Not this afternoon, not tomorrow, but on Tuesday. But you don't come to church? What? I'm telling you, I straight up will tell my family and have told my family, I will see y'all when I get back. Because... 
Today is the Lord's day. I'm going to the Lord's house. I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. What Jesus said, if you don't hate your mother and father, you're not worthy to come follow me. He didn't mean that literally, but he's like, he's just making a point. Like, dude, if you ain't willing, if you're willing to put that over this, then, then, then something's wrong. It's a desire. When we come into this house, man, we should have a desire. I'm going to be your number one cheerleader in worship, but I can't give you desire. You know what I'm saying? I used to say, uh, 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 worship leaders should not be cheerleaders. And I'm like, I've sort of changed my mind uh, about that over the years because I'm like, no, we are. We're, we're, we lead people. We lead people. And, and there are times where I'm going to lead you. I'm, I'm basically cheering you on. Like when I came up and said a few minutes ago, like, God, man, when y'all sing like that, it is absolutely amazing. Do that every week. Do that every week. Do that every week. Watch his presence come in. I don't know if y'all felt it when we were worshiping, but there was a certain time where I felt him come into the room. It wasn't like he wasn't here before. If you've been around Destiny, you've heard me talk about uh, the glory of the Lord. There is God's omnipresence, and then there's his glorious presence. There's his supernatural manifested glory. And so there are times where we come into the room, is God here? Yes, he's here. He's omnipresent. But there is a time where his manifest glory will begin to come. And I don't remember what song it was, but I felt that glory enter the room and I could sense it and that's when the people of God come into an anthem of praise because he lives in the praises of his people amen and so when we lift him up it's like I've told you this before it is like the Holy Ghost dove call it's like that you know uh my my I've got I don't know if any of my family's watching today, but they are some outdoor fanatics. They, I'm telling you what, if they can kill it, shoot it, do whatever, they are all about it. And they got these little, you know, call all these different ducks and animals and all kinds of things. I'm telling you what, there's one of those in the supernatural kingdom, and it calls the dove. It calls Holy Spirit, and it is called praise. It's called when the people lift up God and worship him. I'm telling you what, God, he ain't going to pass us by. He's going to stop and manifest his glory in the room. And that's the place where we always want to get because in the manifest glory, that's where the healer comes into the room. That's where the deliverer comes into the room. That's where the supernatural Shekinah glory manifests itself and healings and miracles and all kinds of things take place. Whereas there are churches all over the globe meeting today and all they are experiencing is God's omnipresence. He's there but there's nothing happening because they have not pursued him to that level. Amen. So there's, there's desire before duty. There's the presence of God before my position. And always we come together to worship him before we work. All right. The second thing is this. People are the priority. Always. Who was the priority at this party? It was Jesus. Jesus is the priority. Mary figured that out. Mary figured out that it's more important that I sit and listen than cut up lentils for the soup or make matzo balls. Like, 
I need to be at his feet. I need to be learning at his feet. I don't know, maybe she needed something that Martha had already gotten. But do do you understand? Because in the body of Christ, we're like that a lot of times. I'll judge you by my level of of maturity. I'll judge you by what I already know. But I won't give you the grace that I needed back when I needed it because I've already, uh, you know, gotten to this certain place in my maturity continuum in the Lord. And it's like, but you're not there. Maybe, and I'm not saying she needed it, but maybe she just wanted to be at his feet. But Jesus, he said that's the place in that moment that it needed to happen. And so, you know, she comes into this house, or he comes into this house, and both of the ladies in the house are doing something for Jesus But she, meaning Mary, is sitting at at his feet because she knows that Jesus is the priority in this particular thing. Listen, when you invite somebody to your house, when you invite somebody out to lunch, like do not do anything that would take away from them being the priority. Like uh, turn your phone over, text your wife or kids or whoever, and let them know, hey, I'm going to be in a meeting for the next 30 minutes. If you need me, it needs to be an emergency. And have a little secret text or something. Just text me 911, and that means, oh, hey, I have to call my daughter because this is a serious thing. They'll understand that. But, like, dude, when you are, are talking to them, and every few minutes it's like, you know, you know, if you were with me, this is my phone. I never have it on, on, on. I mean, if you ever hear my phone ring, it's a special day because this will drive you crazy and I don't want it interrupting anything. When you come into my house, you're more important than anything in my house. You're the center of attention. Like, that's how we should make people feel. That we're, we're making them feel valued Jesus, basically, what you're doing is you're giving them a sort of honor, or or you're giving them honor that is a sort of worship. I'm not saying worship them as God. You're giving them honor. And so this blesses them, but it also blesses the Lord. Love God, love people. Love God as you, you know, love, love the Lord thy God, love his people. All right? And so people being the priority always. And then, uh, this kind of leads us into the next, the, the next part here. And I want us to read John chapter 12 real quick. 11 verses. You there? John chapter 12. Same people in the story, all right? But it's a different instance. Six days before the Passover celebration, Jesus arrived in Bethany, That's like Daphne would be their home. Bethany is the home of Lazarus. That's where Martha and Mary lived. The man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. That's her part. Lazarus was among those who ate. I want that job. And Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume and made made of essence of nard. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. So, again, where are they at? They're in Bethany. 
Where are they at? The home of Lazarus. Um, I don't know that they're actually at his house, but his hometown. Some people say that this is, you know, when you get into studying this stuff, I don't know it's important for you to know this today, but, you know, you get into studying, and many people think that that's the house of Simon the leper and that they could all be interconnected relationally and whatever. But the point being, they're in Bethany. That's where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha live. They could possibly be at their house, but... Whoever's house they're at, they're fixing the meal. So Martha, she must be a good cook because every time you come across that woman, she's cooking. So she, she the one, she the one, all right? And I don't know, but Mary might not even be a good cook. Like y'all ever tried to do something, it's like, baby, that ain't your gift. Like that ain't your gift. I had to tell somebody one time and they, oh Lord, they got mad. I'm like, I, don't, I went to a church one time. I was the youth pastor there, and there, there was a kid on the worship team, and I'm like, I don't know who put y'all in this position, but baby, that ain't your gift. And I had to be the one, and everybody got mad at me. Uh, you know, like maybe, maybe, maybe fixing meals wasn't her gift. Maybe, maybe it's like, baby, you go on in the kitchen. Y'all ever had somebody tell you that to you? Baby, you go on. You go on over there and you do that. I'll take care of this. What you really mean, you ain't gifted for this. You need to go get on, your, on the, the, in alignment with your gift. And so Mary is, is loving on Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> Martha, she's fixing the meal. Lazarus, he's hosting. And so look, look, this is, this is basically what their jobs are. Martha prepared, Lazarus hosted, and Mary poured her heart out. Like, everybody was having a, having a part in this. The food's got to be made. Somebody has to focus on the, the, the guests. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where you're the guests and the people that are hosting you run off. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. I've had that in people's homes, and I've had that at churches where all of a sudden I, I'm alone. I, I'm like, I'm, I'm a stranger. If I'm walking through this building, is somebody going to come through their security, going to arrest me and take me off in some room saying, who is this strange guy visiting and, or, or, or uh, you know, uh, perusing and going through all of our building? I'm like, hey, man, I'm just a guest here. I need somebody to be with me. I need somebody to show me around. I need somebody that is going to add credibility to my presence there. When we invite people in, we just don't desert them. Like we give them our attention. So you got a host and then uh, Mary's down here. And man, she found that, that sweet, you know, spot where Jesus, like, he's all about relationship. Jesus is all about pouring into vessels that are, that are receptive. And so here you have her. She's super receptive to what Jesus was saying. And so as we look down here, it says that Mary took this 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume as she's pouring it out upon him. We know by looking at this in the other accounts of, of, of this and others that this is worth a year's wages. 
So this is not just any old gift that she's bringing out. This is her very best. As a matter of fact, you look a little further, and I'm not going to read these scriptures, but you look a little further, and Judas begins to raise a little ruckus, like, well, look at her. Thank you so much for honoring our Lord. We could have spent that on a lot of people feeding them down in, uh, in Haiti, but, I mean, if you want to use it on Jesus... Go ahead. So he does a little bit of this. After this, two days later, there's, there's uh, another time when all of a sudden it's happening again. This, that's another time when Jesus was anointed. And so they break out the perfume again? We just, didn't we just do this two days ago in Bethany? And it's like, Many theologians uh, talk about like at, at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house, uh, Judas was subdued. And he's like, well, you know, because we don't read a lot. I mean, he, he raised a little ruckus there. But in the other instance, it's full-blown uh, come out and just confront Jesus about it. And so many of them think that there was like some grumbling among Judas and the trying to vie for them winning over to his position of like, hey, I'm just letting you know. Well, we also know by reading these other accounts like, yeah, that joker had a hidden motive because the scripture says he helped himself to the purse. Like Judas was an embezzler. Like in the ministry, he was an embezzler. He helped himself to the, to the company funds. He helped himself to the ministry funds. So when we look at this, everybody in the body has a part to play. I have a part to play. You have a part to play. We all have this part to play. And what I want to ask you is this. So out of what we just read, which role is the most important? Hmm? Which, which one? I, I understand when I ask y'all questions like this, y'all are open yourself up to be wrong, and I appreciate y'all's uh, courage to, to, to give answers. But look, so which role is the most important? Mary's role. All of them are important, but Mary's is the most important. Jesus said it himself. He's like, she discovered it. Like, Hey, cutting those carrots up, that's really important. We're going to get to it later. But she discovered the most important thing. She discovered it. It will not be taken from her. So what's our takeaway on this? It's like, man, our heart, our heart is the most important. All right, look at, look at this real quick. Say it with me. We serve Christ with our hands and our heart. Um, I've talked about this with leaders before. Um, I've talked about this with teams recently. Uh, there's, there's, there, when, when people are serving in a local community like this, um, you have a lot of personalities to deal with. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's a miracle that we can even get together on Sunday. Because you got so many different personalities, so many different pieces that, that, that go. That's why how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Because like, man, that's, that's just not something that just happens. Like we work at it 
every single day, every single week. I don't manage all of the teams in the church. I manage a couple of teams, three uh, in our church. One of them is one you see up here. And I'm telling you, like, am I lying? We have any different week that we could have something that we're offended about, probably are offended about, but it's like, hey, we got to work that out. We got to work that out. We got to work that out, you know, because somebody will get their feelings hurt. I'm, I, can I just say this? Because I'm, I'm part of this team. Can I just be part uh, uh, real about like creative people are the most. <laughs> difficult, just difficult. It's like herding a bunch of cats, you know, it's like they're all over the place. I get it because it's, it's not because Murtis on the organ is just trying to be difficult and she got an agenda to go in and be all difficult. No, it's because the devil hates worship. The devil hates worship. The devil does not want there to be a flow so that God's presence comes in. So it's so important that we don't just serve him with our hands, but we also serve him with our hearts, knowing that, listen, I'll get offended and I'll offend people, you know? And we're going to love each other and we're going to work through it because it's more important that I bring my heart to the table than my gift to the table. We can't just bring our gift to the table without bringing our heart to the table. And I don't know, but somebody play me some music. Drew, if you want to come or anybody, I'm good with that. All right. It's only three notes, brother. Oh, he going to get on the keys now. So it's, it's ten notes. You know you only have to know four pads, four, just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but can I tell you what, what's happening right here between us? That's what, you, that's what you get when you have community. That's what you get when you're in love with each other. That's what you get when you become family, you know, that you can, that you can uh, just play a little bit. Um, so let me just kind of wrap this up for you. How, how, how do I put this in, into, like, everyday life? How do I put this into everyday life, Pastor Rife? Um, because it's all about, in these lessons from the table, it's all about, like, learning. Okay, so if everybody has a part to play at the table... In your house, somebody's got to take out the trash, somebody's got to do the laundry, somebody's got to make the bed, somebody's got to cut the lawn, somebody's got to wash the car, somebody got to pay the bills, somebody got to make the money to pay the bills. Like, it's just a, a lot of common sense. Well, it's like that in this house. Like, our fellowship today is not happening. This, this koinonia that's happening in this house, it's not just happening because... You know, we just showed up and it happened. It happened because there was planning and preparation that went into it. It happened because there's a lot of different people doing things. Many of them that you don't even see that they're doing things. Many things happened this week that uh, happened before we even got here today 
in anticipation for us getting here. And every piece is important to the puzzle. And you want to, you, nobody even knows the media people are back there until something goes wrong and they're like, oh, what are y'all doing wrong back there? Nobody even knows they exist. They don't even know those guys' names. Look at them for a second. They're back there in this dark cave, you know, come out of darkness into the marvelous light, you know. <clears throat> but there is so much that they do that, like, it adds to what we do here. There's so much that happens up here. Like, we're not just up here singing songs. Like, there's stuff that these guys do that I don't have the capacity or the ability to know how to do that stuff. There's stuff that people do on this team. They take up the slack when somebody else has to, you know, have a little grace. They do stuff to help some of us who are slower in, you know, in, in, in like for me, I'm, I'll, that person can be me because it is me many times. And I'm like, can y'all have grace on me because I'm not a professional and like, like, can you just have grace on me? And I'll, like, you don't know it like I hate to divulge some of our Wizard of Oz uh, secrets to you but uh, you know I it, it 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 shocked me and traumatized me when I found out that the wizard was that little gray-haired man behind the curtain but like you know but uh, again some of y'all religious people chill out I'm not advocating wizardry or sorcery but in our ear what I'm trying, I'm, I'm just, in our ear, where our monitors are, there will be times where you don't know it, but I'm like, I don't know where to come in. I don't know where to come in. I've tried it. I've practiced the, 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 the song of 80,000 times. I don't know how. Can you help me? And in my ear, there will be, sometimes it'll be Hunter, sometimes it'll be Brandon, but in my ear, and it's, y'all are perfect. Y'all don't need this. Y'all aren't remedial worship leaders like me. But I, I'm like, hey, and, and in my ear, they'll be going, chorus, two, three, four, Cor you know, and they'll, they'll be counting me in, in my ear. What are they doing? They are helping me. You don't even know it. Now you're going to be wondering. But you don't even know it. But what they're doing, that is a vital part. It's so little, but it's major to what happens in the room. When we all come together and when we do our parts, we got people over there that are praying, prophesying over our children. They are not, well, some of them, uh, even in our children's area, like the little ones, they still prophesy over them. Like they're not, like you should be getting little prophecy cards every now and then. Like they don't just go back there and babysit your kids. Like they are taking that stuff seriously. So Pastor Rife, how do I, how do I, uh, how do I live this out? I think it's just two things. One is examine whether you have a healthy balance of serving the Lord with your hands and with your heart. All right, so examine that. You're not going to be able to fully do it in this room today. I'm just trying to plant the seed. If you want to apply this, God, am I really doing this with my heart? Or am I Martha? Am I upset, irritated, mad? Have I lost my joy because I'm focusing on something else? Like, you know, have I lost my heart? 
Sometimes people just lose the focus of their ministry. Like you lose the focus of how important it is. It's like, dude, do you not realize? I was talking to somebody uh, recently. And uh, even today I was talking to Butch and, and prophesying over him before with our volunteers. And I said to Butch, I said, you know, I don't know that Butch has any of these aspirations, but probably, I don't think I've ever really heard you sing, Butch, but you're probably never going to be on our worship team. Uh, I've never heard you sing, but, you know, you can try out if you want to. But I've never seen you pick up an instrument, not even a kazoo. Like, I've never seen you play an instrument. You probably are never going to be on the team that leads in worship. But if you wanted to do that and you didn't have that ability and then over here you have this other incredible gift like you might be so off focus see I would love to be playing the keys I would love to play a guitar I've taken some lessons in those things and I'm like I'm not saying I can't do it but I tried and I I couldn't and I don't know why because that seems like such a thing that I should be able to do um I don't know why but I don't need to because we have those um so I talked to Butch and I said Butch like you got a gift that like not a lot of people have like you have the gift of generosity like I don't mean he just gives he's faithful in his giving But I'm talking about he has the gift of generosity. Like he seeks out opportunities to give. Now, he would, I don't know, you might be dying and cringing right now inside because of me talking to you. I'm just loving on you, man. Uh, That man is why we have these. I think you're why we have this and then drew wouldn't tell you this but i'll tell you this drew is why we have that you see what i'm saying like they have a gift of generosity they have a they have a gift that so many times if you're not careful you'll get distracted but what your gift is and i'm telling you brother i wish we had more of those uh gifts Uh, i'm not just talking about people that i'm talking about the gift of generosity so what is your gift Like, what is your gift? And do you have a healthy balance between serving the Lord with your hand or with your heart? Like, are you physically doing it, but maybe your heart's not in the right place? Or you get off in the other end of that spectrum where you got people that it's like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Praise God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. They walk in the door, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, man, woo, I'm in the glory cloud. I'm in the glory cloud, the glory cloud. You know, hey, uh, you know, man, I just got to get to the sanctuary. You know, I'm just in the presence, in the presence, in the presence. Now, I'm not making fun of those people because I've been that person. And I love that. However, Man, we're short today. We need somebody to love on our babies. I can't do that, man. I just feel the Lord just speaking to me. Yeah, the Lord just did when I told you. It came out of my mouth. If you're so spiritual that you can't hear the voice out of the person that just is standing in front of you, why? Because you think he's in the cloud, in the sanctuary, over the drums, and you got to get close to that and let somebody wave some flags over you and blow a shofar two or three before you can hear it and 
Doug, you know I love you. And flag people, y'all know I love you. Or you wouldn't be doing that here. I love you. But I'm like, there's a time where it's like, hey, we, we have to be in balance. We have to be in balance. There are times where it's like, we got, you're loving him really good with your heart. You're loving him really good with all your propheticness. But it's like, we need some propheticness in the nursery today. We need some propheticness in the parking lot today. We need some propheticness at the welcome desk today. We need some propheticness at, you know, the overseers, uh, which we call that uh, one of our greeters, because, you know, we got two people serving in that and they are doing it so diligently. But I told Pastor Wesley recently, I said, God, I appreciate you serving there. You're not going to be out of the sanctuary every Sunday. You're not going to be out of the sanctuary. Well, you know, I just don't want to serve in children's ministry because, you know, I just want to be in the presence of the Lord. He is back there. Take him back there and prophesy over them. And if you're serving in another area, you're not just doing work. You are doing it as unto the Lord. Paul told the Colossians, whatever these find to do, do it as unto the Lord. So if you open in the door, open it like you're doing it for Jesus. If you're uh, wiping little heinies in the nursery, do it like you're doing it for the Lord. If you're playing a musical instrument, like you're doing it for the Lord. So anyway, sorry I'm beating that dead horse to ground. But I'm just telling you, man, just be in balance with that. And here's a very practical thing. Volunteer to serve with your gifts and abilities. And you can do that at dci.life. Like volunteer. Listen, uh, I get it. There are people that, uh, Erica Dees, she'll be with us in a few weeks. She's one of those that she came into our church and she was tired and she was wounded and she had scars from uh, a very painful experience. And she came in, I remember she sat right back there on the very back row. And uh, she sat for, I don't know, I think a whole year before she did anything. And when I talked to her, I didn't press her or anything. She said, Pastor, I just want you to know that this is where I'm at. I just need to receive. I'm like, you know what, Martha or, or Mary, you know what, Mary? Because I need some Marthas right now. And I know you preach. And I know you X, Y, or Z. But you need to be a Mary right now. You just need to sit, listen, and receive. And once she got through that season, man, she, she, she healed up. She strengthened up. She'll be here in a couple of weeks. But she is out there doing the work of kingdom expansion. So it's not about you just getting to work doing something. But at some point, we don't all have to do everything, but all of us have to do something. You know, that's just the body. And so what's it like at the table? Everybody has a job. Everybody has a job. And yours can be a little job, folding napkins or putting the forks on the table. Or if you want to cook the meal, you can do that too. If you want to serve the meal up, you can do that too. But you also have to show me, God, the house, that you know how to fold some napkins first. Stand, if you don't mind. Holy Spirit, I pray over this house of believers today that God in this room of people that I call my family and visitors today that are our guests, my prayer is that they would hear the voice of the Lord through this message. I pray, oh God, that they are healed in their bodies. I pray they are healed in their minds. 
And I just want to declare over you right now. I just want to declare over you right now. That if there is church hurt that you've experienced, whether you're watching online or you're in this house, there's probably not a person in this room that has not experienced some form of church hurt. I've experienced church hurt. And I have been the cause of church hurt. Don't hold that against the church. Don't hold that against the kingdom. We're all made up of frail and fractured people. But I speak healing over you right now.